it's been the hand of God. God, even when we were out in sin, you watched over us, Lord. You kept us from heartaches. You kept us from sicknesses. You kept us from destruction, Father. And Lord, you saw that seed, and God, you brought that seed to manifestation. And tonight, we can sing it, God. We know it was the hand of the Lord. Lord, many times the devil tried to take us, but your hand was there to arrest him and to stop him, Lord God. And we're so thankful tonight that we're called sons and daughters of God. We have a promise in the word. And Lord, we gather together on the midweek service to, Lord, just put our shoulder to the wheel, Father, and encourage one another in the midweek, Father, to press the battle. God, we're so thankful that you're our God. You're our Savior. Lord, you've already conquered, and we're here tonight, Father, just to rejoice in the victory that you've already won on our behalf. So, Lord, we just commit this service to you now. Pray that you'll just give us the mind of God just to speak the words of life, Lord. Lord, anoint the lips and the ears of the hearer tonight. And those on the stream, God, may you bless them as well. We just commit this service to you now in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. If you have your Bibles, we're going to look here in Exodus 23. Exodus 23, if you have your Bibles. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. It's good to be back with you all. We will be actually leaving out early in the morning, heading to Florida. The family and I are headed to Brother Danny Stevens. We're holding services there for him this weekend. So we do appreciate your prayers and appreciate what God has been doing on our behalf and on behalf of even like Tabernacle. It's the right time. It's the right time. We rejoice in God's timing and his leadership. It's the right time. So with that, I want to speak to you tonight on God Does Impossible Math Part 18. You're probably getting tired of hearing that, but that's okay. I still believe it with all my heart. Even so much that my family bought me a pair of uh, God Does Impossible Math socks for Father's Day. I don't have them on tonight, but I had them on Sunday. Some of y'all probably saw them. We believe it. I'm walking in it. I believe the promise of God is to each and every one of us. And tonight I want to speak to you on occupiers of the promise. Occupiers of the promise. Look, don't make it just for somebody else. Don't make it for the preachers. Don't make it for the deacons. Don't make it for those people that we hold in high regard. Make it for your own self. You are an occupier of the promise of God. We are occupiers tonight. And we look here in Exodus 23 and verse 20. It says, Behold, I send an angel or a messenger before thee to keep thee in the way and to bring thee into the place which I have prepared. Beware of him and obey his voice. Provoke him not, for he will not pardon your transgressions. For my name, or that word there, name, means reputation. His fame and his glory is in him. But if thou shalt indeed obey his voice and do all that I speak, then I will be an enemy unto thy enemies and an adversary unto thy adversaries. For my angel shall go before thee to bring thee unto the Amorites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Canaanites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, and I will cut them off. God did not hide who the enemies were. He told them, I'm going to bring you into the land. This is who you're going to face. But he's already promised you, I've given you the land. Oh, church, God's not going to allow you to be blindsided. 
He's telling you right here. He says, I will cut them off. Thou shalt not bow down to their gods, nor serve them, nor do after their works, but thou shalt utterly overthrow them and quite break down their images. God said what he's going to do, and God's telling you what he expects you to do. Oh, this is a two-part relationship. He says, and you shall serve the Lord your God, and he shall, he shall bless thy bread and thy water, and I will take sickness away from the midst of thee. And, I, and notice now, and there shall nothing cast their young nor be barren. Otherwise, he's saying there's not going to be any abortions in that land. There's not going to be any miscarriages in that land. There's not going to be any sterility in that land or any barrenness in that land. But you're going to be fruitful in that land. And he says now, the number of thy days I will fulfill, and I will send my fear upon thee, and I will destroy all the people whom thou shalt come, and I will make all thy enemies turn their backs unto thee. And I will send hornets before thee, which shall drive out the Hivite, the Canaanite, the Hittite, from before thee. And I will drive them out from before thee in one year. He goes, excuse me, I will not drive them out before thee in one year, lest the land become desolate and the beasts of the field multiply against thee. By little and little will I drive them out from before thee until thou be increased. Sometimes we want God to do it overnight. But God says, I'll do it little by little so that the land does not be increased. And notice what he says now. And thou shalt make no covenant with them nor with their gods. Verse 32. And they shall, dwell, they shall not dwell in thy land lest they make thee a sin against thee. For if... Thou serve their gods, it will surely be a snare unto thee. God bless you. You can have your seats tonight. So I want to speak to you, as I said, occupiers of the promise. There are over 8,800 promises in the Bible. If you turn me down just a tad bit, Brother David. 8,800 promises in the Bible. The word promise appears more than 100 times in the scriptures. There was a gentleman by the name of Everett R. Storms. He was a school teacher in Canada who made a detailed study of promises and the promises in the Bible. And he read on his 27th reading of the Bible a task that which took him a year and a half. He totaled up 8,810 promises. Of those 8,810 promises, 7,487 of them promises were made by God to humankind. So I don't know where you are tonight, but I believe there's a promise there for you. I believe that we as children of God can reach up and grab hold of one of the 7,487 promises that God has afforded to us as believers tonight. You say, well, Brother Joe, I can't understand that. But look what the Bible says in 1 Kings 8 and 56. Blessed be the Lord that hath given rest unto his people, Israel, according to all that he promised. There has not failed one word of all his good promise, which he promised by the hand of Moses, his servant. There's not one promise of God that he can fail to deliver on if you can believe God and take God in his word tonight. Now, this portion of Scripture that we read here in Exodus, as I read those 13 Scriptures or those 13 yeah, Scriptures, I counted 12 to 13 promises that God promised you as a believer. So, I want to say this tonight, that out of all these promises, God is calling for occupiers to occupy the promise. 
So no matter what you're facing, no matter what you're needing today, you can rest assured that laying in the Word of God is a promise that will fit your need, that will heal your body, that will deliver the situation. God can meet your financial situation. God can meet your children's situation. God has got a promise laying in the Word tonight, and He's looking for somebody that will believe and occupy the Word of God. So I firmly believe tonight, no matter what we're facing, we're occupiers of not just one, but every promise. I believe they're entitled, they're for us. Insomuch that God will promise us, he says, I'm going to send an angel before you. Notice, I'm going to send a messenger that he's going to go to before you. He will keep you in the way. And not only will he keep you in the way, but he will lead you into the land that I prepared for you. And God, as he sent that promise to them in that day, God has sent a messenger in this day for one purpose is to keep us in the way. And when you get out of step, it's resonating around the message. Get back in line. Get back in step. Stay in tune with the word. Stay in tune with the message of the hour. So he sent us a messenger to keep us in line, to bring us to the place that he had prepared for us. John 14 and verse 1, he says, let your heart not be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. But I go to prepare a place for you. Oh, we may mourn on this side of the passing of our brother Jerome, but God had already gone before to prepare a place. He's already in a new, a new place, a new body. No more sickness, no more sorrow, no more old age, no more weariness, no more difficulties, no more disappointments. He's in a well body. God had already gone before to prepare promise. Amen. And look, brother Jerome cashed in on the dividends of that promise. He believed to the end. He says, now, if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. What a promise. What a promise. If I go to prepare a place, I will come again and receive you unto myself. That where I am, there you may be also. And whither I go, you know, in the way you know. The word prepare here means to get everything ready. God has already prepared and has everything thing ready he's going to prepare a place for us for where he is his desires is to have his bride right there with him by his side God wants you next to him I know sometimes you pray and God doesn't move sometimes you pray and God remains quiet but God is preparing a place he's already gone before you he's given you that promise that where I am you can be also as the children of Israel notice as they were in their exodus so are we as the elect of God are in our own exodus. We're pilgrims and strangers. I hope you don't plan on setting, setting up camp on this side and, and make the best of this life because this life is full of disappointments. See, they were in a conquest. They were promised a land. It was the land of Canaan. God promised them, I'm going to bring you to all these different individuals, all these different tribes, all these different ones in that land. But I want you to know I've given you the land. That land belongs to you. It don't belong to the occupants that are already there in that land, but I've given it to you. And just as God promised them a natural land, God has promised us a supernatural land. God has given us a promise on this side. Look, don't cash in on this side. God has given you a word. Hang on to the bitter end. One day these bodies are going to be transformed. Notice they had a natural land. But for us it's not a natural land. 
It's a land that we'll, we'll never grow old, never get weary, never get sick, never have a disappointment, never need a doctor's visit, never need medicine. What a land, church. What a land that God has promised us. And there's been others who have gone before us and they're occupying it right now. And if I believe if they could look over that grandstand, that banister, they would be hollering. They would be cheering you on. Press the battle. Press the battle. Don't give up. You're, you're closing in. The finish line is drawing near. Press the battle. Occupy the promise. Amen. Occupy the promise. Notice he's promised us the land beyond this Jordan, beyond death, a land that flows with milk and honey, a land that is just beyond the curtain of time. And if I could say it the way the prophet would say it, I may have it just exactly wrong, but that's okay. But it's just a few feet above us right now. It's just going a little bit faster than what we're going. And one day when that slows down and we speed up, we're going to be in a new body, church. One day, that's not, a, that's not a fairy tale. That's a promise. And we're going to cash in on the promise and occupy a new body. Occupy in an eternal reign. Notice what Brother Branham would tell us in the message, things that are to be talking about going beyond the curtain of time. He said, it's perfect. He goes, oh, it wouldn't even touch it. Sublime. There's no English vocabulary that I know, no word at all that could ever express what it is. It's beyond anything that I know. There he was. There was no sickness, no sorrow. You couldn't die. You couldn't sin. It was just perfect, just perfect. Friends, you mustn't. You mustn't miss it. What a promise. What a promise to a people. Notice God gave Abraham a covenant 4,000 years ago. I'm going to take you to a land. Moses led Israel out of Egypt. And Joshua led in a conquest of the land 3,400 years ago. David established Jerusalem as Israel's capital 3,000 years ago. After the exile of Babylon or to Babylon and then return again, Jesus came to die on the cross. After Jesus ascended, ascended back to heaven, Israel was again dispersed by the Romans 2,000 years ago. But after the millennia of the dispersion of their sins, at the proclamation of the British and the UN, Israel again became a nation in 1948. Unlike during the Roman occupation where Caesars and Herods ruled, today Israel is in, is in its own government and military, or it has its own government, its own military. It's a bona fide independent nation, has its own borders. So today we can say that Israel is back in her homeland. Natural Israel is now occupying the promise that God gave to Abraham 4,000 years ago. And as a prophet of God will say this, he said, Israel back in her promised land. She don't know how she got back there. She was just automatically put there. Why? National force put her in there. National force put Israel in her homeland. National force put the, will put the church in the World Council of Churches. But the power of God will put the people in the bride. Oh, church, I'm not looking at national forces. We got a promise. We got a word that's going to put this people, this body right here tonight, in the body called the bride of Christ. He said, world forces, the world forces this way and the world forces that way, but God forces upward. The Spirit of God, which is the Word of God, my Word is Spirit in life, will put the bride in her place because she'll recognize her position in the Word. Then she's in Christ, will put her in her place. No national force would do it, but the national force did drive Israel to her homeland. The natural or national forces of the Council of Churches will drive every organization into it, but 
the power of God will raise the bride into glory and out of it. I say, oh, glory to God, what a promise tonight. And God, looking at people tonight that are occupiers of that promise, why are you here? You've been through heartache. You've been through disappointments. But you're here tonight because why? You believe the promise. You believe the word of God. You're holding on for that body change, for that realization that one day, one day, soon, one day soon, it's all going to change. Israel back in her homeland with their own government, own money, own flag, their own borders. Look, church, we've been dispersed. Down through church age after church age, we've had our trials, we've had our tribulations, we've had our battles, we've had disappointments, but we will occupy the promised land that God has gone to prepare for this bride. He has sent us a word. He has sent us a message. And it's this message that's going to raise us into the body of Christ. It's going to raise us, raise us up out of these old pest house and lift us up into a heavenly atmosphere. This word occupy, it means to take hold of, to take possession of. It means to reside in as an owner. Not a tenant, not somebody who's written a place, but you own the place. Oh, I'm talking about sons and daughters of God tonight. I'm preaching them men and women tonight who are owners of the promise. I'm talking about those tonight that have taken hold of a body change. They're taking hold of a rapture. I'm talking about those that are owners of a new body. That one will never grow old. One will never get sick. One that will never need a doctor. I'm preaching to young people tonight who will take hold of that promised land. And it ain't just mama. It ain't just daddy. It ain't just one camp meet to a next camp meet. But you have met God. You have met the pillar of fire. And he's real in your life. And that's why you're here. That's why you're serving God. Because you want to occupy that same promise that's been given to generation after generation. Notice now, Joshua 5 and verse 1, and it came to pass when all the kings of the Amorites, which were on the side of Jordan westward, and the kings, excuse me, and the kings of the Canaanites, which were by the sea, They heard that the Lord had dried up the waters of Jordan from before the children of Israel until we were passed over, that their heart melted. Neither was their spirit in them anymore because of the children of Israel. Church, hell is afraid of you. Oh, come on, somebody. Church. Hell is afraid of you. Let me just say, they heard how cancer has been defeated. They heard how cancer has been defeated. They heard how alopecia was defeated. They heard how brain bleeds were defeated. Oh, they heard how little boy Drew who couldn't walk, got up and began to walk. And I preached his testimony in Newfoundland, Canada three or four weeks ago. And a young boy who they said was going to be put in braces. I gave that testimony and the spirit of God came behind it. And that little boy today, he don't need braces. He's totally well. What am I talking to you about? Hell is afraid of the occupiers of the word. Hell is afraid of you tonight. You got jurisdiction over the word, over the enemy tonight. Hell is aware there's a people in the land that's focused on one thing, occupying the promise. They refuse to live in a defeated state. They refuse to live in a contented state. 
they are determined to move in and take possession. You know, it's like how Brother Bannon would talk. If you got a new home, you just wouldn't sit on the outside of it and just admire it, would you? You go in and you explore. And you look at the kitchen and you look at the bedroom and you look at the bathroom and you look at every room and say, that's all mine. It's all mine. It's all mine. You occupy. You don't stay outside. Oh, I got me a new house and you camped out in the yard. No, you go in, you occupy, you set up household. And that's what God is calling us to do. Notice now, Joshua 5 and verse 2. So this new generation, this new generation came in, but before they can possess the promised land, Brother Tim has been speaking on, they had to be circumcised. So at the time the Lord said unto Joshua, make these sharp knives and circumcise again the children of Israel the second time. And Joshua made sharp knives and circumcised the children of Israel at the heel of the foreskins. And this is the cause why Joshua did circumcise all the people that came out of Egypt that were males, even all the men of war died in the wilderness by the way after they came out of Egypt. Now all the people that came out were circumcised, but all the people that were born in the wilderness by the way as they came forth out of Egypt, them they had not circumcised. Verse 7, and their children whom he raised up in their stead, them Joshua circumcised for they were uncircumcised because they had not circumcised him by the way. Right. See, that generation had to have their own experience. Right. That generation couldn't get in on the generation before because they were circumcised, because they had an experience, because maybe the prophet spoke to them and called them out in a prayer line. They had to have their own experience. They had to be circumcised for themselves. And we find here, circumcision was the key to occupying the land. Circumcision was the key to occupying the land. They were told they had to be circumcised in order for the new generation to move into the promised land. They had to be circumcised and for them to take possession of what God told Moses many years ago and how God reiterated showing that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. The same promise that he gave to Moses to occupy the land was the same promise that he gave to Joshua to occupy the land. Look, he's showing that God is the same. He doesn't change. But as long as you can go forth and occupy the word, he said the men who were born in the wilderness, they had to be circumcised. They had to receive the Holy Ghost. They had to meet the God of Moses. They had to meet the God of Joshua. They had to meet God for themselves. That's why, young person, you need to meet God. Not just get by our mama's religion, our daddy's religion, our Tim Pruitt's religion, our Joe Adams' religion, our Aaron Oglesby's religion, but you got to get by on knowing the God of Abraham, the God of Jacob, the God of Isaac. You got to know the God of William Branham, that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. You got to be an occupier of the same word, the same fruit, the same supernatural strength and power that he possessed. You are to possess as well. See, if we're going to possess the promise of God, then we got to meet God. We got to meet God. We plan on occupying our promised land. We just can't occupy based on somebody else. But we got to have our own experience. Brother Abraham says this, and he swore by himself. God gave him a sign. Speaking about Abraham, he circumcised him as a sign of seal. And Abraham's seed still received circumcision. 
See, they did it all through the age until the moon faded out, the law, and the sun came in. He said, every son of Abraham is circumcised today, not of the flesh, but of the heart. The Holy Spirit circumcises the heart, cuts away the things of the world, and makes you a new creature in Christ. Makes you a new creature. Circumcision is to cut off the surplus flesh. So Abraham received circumcision as a confirmation. That new generation received circumcision as a confirmation of their faith to be able to occupy the land. And if they did, so do we. We got to have the Holy Ghost. Why don't we do youth camps? Why don't we do it? It ain't so you can pick up a mate, though. It's the best place for it, if that's what you're into. But it's so you can, you can meet God. So you can walk in his presence. You can step forward and come through a prayer line and knowing the angel of the Lord is right there. Not only is that he's there to fill you, he's there to heal you, he's there to deliver you. That's why we do these things. You think it's just so Brother Tim can get a big name? It's not so he can get a big name and have big name preachers. It's so that you can have an experience with God. And that's not for just the young, it's for some of you old hands as well. Because you need the touch of God just as much as these young people need the touch of God. And what greater atmosphere than a young person creating an atmosphere for themselves and for you. So you can walk through that same prayer line and the same Holy Ghost that touched them. The same power of God that delivered them is the same one that will touch you. The same one that will meet your needs. So notice once. Oh, I love this. Notice what he says. Let me just go back and read this. And their children whom they raised from the stead, from Joshua, circumcised, for they were circumcised because they had not been circumcised and by the way. And it came to pass when they had done circumcising all the people, their abode in the places in the camp, they abode there in their places in the camp till they were whole. And the Lord said unto Joshua, this day have I rolled away the reproach of Egypt off of you. Wherefore, the name of the place is called Gilgal until this day. That word Gilgal means rolling. So we find here that the children of Israel, for many years, they lived in Egypt. They thrived in Egypt. They once were successful in Egypt. But there came on the throne of Pharaoh who didn't know Joseph. And things begin to change. They begin to suffer. They begin to be in want. They begin to be beat, harassed, threatened, mistreated. They became slaves in Egypt and to Egypt. But I want you to know this day, he rode the reproach of Egypt off their life. Why? Because they came according to the promise of God. If you are circumcised, You'll enter into that promised land and the reproach of Egypt, the history of Egypt, the scars of Egypt will be removed off your life. And God will never remember your past in Egypt. God has provided something better for you, church. Oh, let me just tell you, you may have been identified with smoking. You may have been identified with drinking. You may have been identified with sex sins or church hatred. But I'm going to tell you today, God has sent you a word and he's rolled the reproach, the reproach of the world off your life. Now you're free. You're free to occupy the land. You're free to possess your promise. Their life was scarred. And maybe your life has been scarred. Choices you made, people you hurt, opportunities you missed. But this day, this day, the Lord has rolled a reproach of sin nature off your life. You no longer identify with this world. You're no longer identified with sin, with drinking, smoking, sex sins. You're no longer identified with your past. Now, you are identified as a son and a daughter of God. That's who you are now. Beloved, what manner of love hath the Father bestowed upon us? That now, we should be called sons of God. Oh, 
Oh, what a greater, what a greater honor than to be called a child of God. Notice he tells us through Moses, Deuteronomy 30 and verse 8. And thou shalt return, and thou shalt return and obey the voice of the Lord and do all his commandments which I commanded thee this day. And the Lord thy God will make thee plenteous in every work of thy hand, in the fruit of thy body, in the fruit of thy cattle, in the fruit of thy land, for good. For the Lord will again rejoice over thee for good and as he rejoiced over thy fathers. And he's telling the new generation what he's going to do and what they are, they are to do. Verse 11, for this commandment which I command thee this day is not hidden from thee, neither is it far off. It is not in heaven that thou shouldest say, who shall go up to heaven and bring it to us that we may hear it and do it. Neither is it beyond the sea that thou shouldest say, who shall go over to sea for us and bring it unto us that we may hear it and do it. But the word is very nigh unto thee. In thy mouth and in thy heart that thou mayest do it. Well, church, this is not hard. God, has prom God had promised him that if they wholly follow the Lord, he would bless them beyond measure. He will bless the fruit of their hand. He will bless the fruit of their land. He will bless their cattle. There'd be no barrenness in that land. And all that Israel had to do was obey the voice of God. But we find Israel began to forsake God and forsake his word and forsake his counsel and give up on his promise. See, it was due to their disobedience that they began, they began to live below their God-given privileges. And each of you tonight, God has given you a God-given privilege to serve him. God has given you a privilege. It's an honor to sit on this pew tonight. Church, you don't understand. These brothers and myself, we receive messages around the world wishing they could sit where you're sitting. How else would a, a sister with her two children in a moment's time get on a plane and travel 30 plus hours to sit in a seat that you occupy? Because she wants to be an occupier of the promise. Don't take this opportunity for granted. See, the same God that was with Moses is the same God that was with Joshua. The same God that was with the prophet is the same God with us tonight. And as he told the prophet, I'm going to show you beyond the curtain of time. That was giving us a glimpse of where we're headed, church. There's a land beyond the river. There's a land. And it's not a fairy tale. It's not a pipe dream. It's not air castles. It's a land. And there's been different ones out of this congregation who are right now on that other side. Jerry Scholl, Jerome Buss, different ones. Memo Buss, Karen Pruitt, different ones are already on the streets of gold. Just fellowship and waiting on us to occupy our portion of that promise. But notice now, they begin to live below their God-given privileges. Let's look in Judges 2 and verse 8. Judges 2 and verse 8. And Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, he died, and being 110 years old. And they buried him in the border of the inheritance of that wonderful word there that I can't pronounce, in the Mount of Ephraim, on the north side of the hill of Gash. And also all the generation were gathered unto their fathers, and there arose another generation after them, which knew not the Lord, nor yet the works which he had done for Israel. And there's men today that, they don't want you to give a testimony of what God has done. 
They're afraid. They shy away from testifying of the power and the supernatural of God. Well, if we don't tell, how will the next generation know? If we don't tell, how will the next generation have faith to believe in the God that we believed in? See, the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, and they served Balaam, and they forsook the Lord God of their fathers and brought them out of the land of Egypt, and they followed other gods, the gods of the people that were round about them, and they bowed themselves unto them and provoked the Lord to anger, verse 13, and they forsook the Lord and served Baal and Ashtaroth, and the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel, and he delivered them into the hands of the spoilers that spoiled them, and he sold them into the hands of their enemies round about so that they could not any longer stand before their enemies so they were living below what God had promised them God had given them a land God had given them a promise that they would be fruitful that he will bless their land he will bless their cattle he will bless they would not be barren in that land there would not be miscarriages in that land or abortions in that land but you would be fruitful and multiply in that land in that promise And after Joshua and the men who served with Joshua that outlived him, when they all died and went off the scene, then the children of Israel began to flirt with the gods of the nations that they were sent to to take captive of or to destroy. They forsook the Lord and they went whoring after the gods of the nations that they were to conquer. And the prophet of God will tell us, he said, the church has been in the minority. It's always been, it will always be in members until Jesus comes. He says, but it's living under its God-given privileges. If we only knew this is a church of the living God, not Branham Tabernacle, for the Branham Tabernacle is just part of it. There's other such such tabernacles through the country. Now we find here, and there's many such churches throughout the country, but we're all living, seem like, on a defeated side, more or less. I heard Brother Neville announced this morning back there that it kind of come to my mind that the people are seemingly are getting away from deliverances. It seems that to be something that the people seem to just push off out to one side. Oh, well, God can do it. But it's just, he goes, but that's just not the attitude. So we find here, and we think, well, Brother Joe, we're in the messes, and you know, we're not living at even like tabernacle. We're not living underneath our God-given privileges. But you go travel to church, to church, and other churches, and you come in acquaintance with other ministries, and some of those ministries don't believe the same way. Some of those churches don't have the same freedom by which you're able to worship the Lord tonight. And you find people are living below their God-given privileges. And like the prophet of God will say here, seems like people are getting away from deliverance's message. Oh, they got the great deep intellectual knowledge of the word but where is the people where is the deliverance where's the young people in the church where's the fire in the church where's the supernatural in the church i believe in preaching on the deep things of god we need that to lift us up into a heavenly atmosphere but we also need a god that delivers a god that sets free a god that still heals a god that still moves we still need to preach a god that delivers he delivered Egypt, and he's here to deliver you tonight. He's the same God, church. Oh, I want the deep things of God, but I want the simplicity of the word. I want the simplicity of a God that destroys cancer and heals sugar diabetes and removes heart trouble and cures the sick. When the doctors can't find it, I got a God that knows the answer. He does impossible man. Notice, Brother Brandon will say this. He said, Brother Joe, you're just preaching. You're just getting on to it because not everybody believes the way we believe. Let's, how, let's see how a prophet would say it. 
1957, hear you him. Some of we ministers, we should be ashamed of ourselves as we keep our congregation way below their privileges. Some of we ministers, we should be ashamed of ourselves because we keep our congregation way below their privileges. The whole Christian church today is living thousands of miles below their God-given privileges because of just so half asleep, dismal life. Take the promise, believe. You know, take the promise and believe it. God said it. God said so. That settles it forever. He says, no matter how long it takes to materialize, he said, time doesn't mean nothing to God. See, it's his word that we take and we believe. Abraham waited 25 years for that child to come. But it arrived. And you may may have waited a long time for your promise to come. But I want you to know your promise is in the room. Your miracle's in the room tonight. You ain't got to wait another long a minute longer. Oh, Brother Andrew, you had a promise. It took seven years, something like that, to manifest. But when a when a man of God came by and said, It's on this road, it's on its way. Oh, he didn't just shug it off. He occupied the promise. God came by. God was so mindful to stop by him. See, there's still a spirit of discernment that still moves in the church today. There's still a spirit of prophecy. Maybe not the major prophet, but there's still gifts of prophecy that moves in the church to be able to tell you what your needs are. God still moves. Don't put him in a box. It's part of the promise. And I'm glad that we can be associated with men of God that can yield their gift to that level because it's not for that man, but it's for the body. God knew you got a need, and God sent a man your way, and he spoke that need. And what? We saw little Drew. He saw him in a vision. What did God do? That vision came to pass, didn't it? He's still God. But you got to be the one that occupies that promise. See, God started his church the way he wanted it. God started his church. Not man, God started his church the way he wanted it. And now today, he wants his church the way he started it. Well, brother Joe, you mean we got to get in an upper room? If you plan on being like the first church. So how did he start it? In an upper room, all in one accord. And all of a sudden, tongues of fire begin to descend. And they were all sat real quiet. And they began to nod. And there wasn't a, a voice heard. Everybody was just as quiet because they were scared the preacher may say something and call them out because they got a little emotional, a little fanatical. No, that ain't how my Bible reads. The Bible says when those tongues of fire begin to fall, they all in one accord begin to what? They begin to speak in an unknown language. They begin to get beyond the rim of their humanity. They begin to get outside the borders of their flesh. And they begin to worship God. And the presence of God came down. And they staggered out. Oh, my God. They staggered out like drunk men. Let me tell you, if you don't just act like you're drunk, you come to the house of God, get drunk on the Holy Ghost. Get drunk on the wine of stimulation. Get drunk from the presence of God. It's okay. It tastes good. My brother Joe, I don't want to act like that. Well, you got to act like that to get back to the original church. God wants his church on fire. Don't paint him a fire. Create him a fire. Do you know that God created a fire in Babylon? 
He heated that thing up seven times hotter than it had ever been hit before because he desired fellowship. He had three young boys down there who were missing mama and daddy. But God's like, I got this. I want to have fellowship with you. God created a fire. It wasn't a pitcher. It wasn't a pitcher. No, but when they stepped off that ledge and they was in that fire, the man of God, God himself, said, this is no job for an angel, wormwood, and this one and that one. I'm going to go myself. And he grabbed a lightning bolt, zigzagged in the cloud, and came down into that. And that same God, if he left glory for them, he'll leave glory for you tonight. To do what? So that you can occupy the word of God. To show you that he is a living God. He is a God that's mindful of your needs. He's the same yesterday, today, and he'll be the same God, the same healer, the same deliverer, the same way. Baker, the same miracle worker that he was in, he is tonight. Why did the doctor say that the cancer they can't find it? Because he's a living God. They can't find it. It's gone. I don't know if y'all just heard what I just said. Since the roof went to the doctor. And they did a PET scan or did a scan and they can't find cancer. They said it's gone. The night is gone. Why? Because God gave a promise. Not even cancer will stand before the believer's prayer. Let me tell you, he's the same God tonight. He's a healer tonight. He defeated cancer one time. He'll do it again and again and again and again and again and again. He's the same God. I say glory to God tonight. Let us be, Lord. Let us be, Lord. May we occupy the promise. When the Holy Ghost comes and you feel a dance coming over, don't shy away from it. No, you dance under Him. Well, I'm worried about what they're going to think about me. Well, I got you a scripture. Oh, David. Oh, Brother Joe, you're going to act stupid. Yep. What was David so excited about? Because the promised word was now coming back. Oh, church. You know why some of these churches can't preach the excitement and the joy of the Lord? Because the promised word ain't coming there. Oh, but why is it coming even like tabernacle? Because there's a people to occupy the promise. And there's a promised word coming. And David... Oh, he saw, he saw those men of God, the Levites, with the, 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 uh, the altar on their shoulders. And here they were bringing the, 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 the word back into the camp. Oh, David began to dance and got a little bit beside himself. And his wife got a little upset. David, you embarrassed me. I can't believe that. It was a Wednesday night service. You know the whole world's watching. And you got up and ran around the church. How dare you, David? David said, you know what? You didn't like that? Watch this. There need to be some Davids in the house of God tonight. Some of you ain't moved in years, but you need to be a David. And I say, you don't like that? Watch this. You want to criticize my worship? Watch this. Oh, I tell you, I know where I was. I know where I am. I know that I was invited, but I know that I'm free. You don't like it? I'm here to worship God. I'm not here to worship you. I'm here to praise God, to worship my living God, a healer, a deliverer, a way maker. That's who I'm here to worship. That's who I'm here to praise. I'm here to occupy the earth. 
I need to take possession of the promise. And I may look stupid. I may look foolish. It don't matter. But I don't care what you don't like. Satan, I said I don't care what you don't like because we're going to praise God with all of our might. I said we're going to praise God. Whether you feel like it or not, whether you're up or down, we're going to praise God. Why? Because we are people of the book. We got a promise given to us. We're sons and daughters of God. You may speak in tongues, you may shout. But whatever you do, don't live below your God given privilege. Whatever you do, don't settle. Don't settle. Don't settle for being on the outside. Oh, I don't believe that Brother Aaron and I have been preaching kind of on the same lines for, for, for happen since God is telling us. I've given it to you. What now? Make your move. Make your move. Occupy the land. Take possession of it. Take possession of it. Oh, let me just, you can be seated. I won't hold you much longer. Notice now, they begin to live below their God-given privileges. We find here in Judges 1, or let me just go back. Judges 119. No, Judges 1, 1, excuse me. Judges 1, 1. Now, after the death of Joshua, it came to pass that the children of Israel asked the Lord, saying, Who shall go up for us against the Canaanites first to fight against them? And the Lord said unto Judah, or said, Judah shall go up. Behold, I have delivered the land into thy hand. Notice the words of God. I have delivered the land into thy hand. Key that. Write that in your notes. Stick it on your refrigerator. I have delivered the land into your hand. He has given you a promise of total victory. I've given it to you. I have given the land into your hand. And Judah said unto Simeon, his brother, come up with me unto my lot that we may fight against the Canaanites. And I likewise will go with thee into thy lot. So Simeon went with him. Verse 17, and Judah went with Simeon, his brother, and they slew the Canaanites that inhabited Zephath and utterly destroyed it. And the name of the city was called Hormah. Verse 19, and the Lord was with Judah and he drave out the inhabitants of the mountain, but he could not drive out the inhabitants of the valley because they had chariots of iron. Verse 21, and the children of Benjamin did not drive out the Jebusites that inhabited Jerusalem, but the Jebusites dwell with the children of Benjamin in Jerusalem until this day. Verse 27. Neither did Manasseh drive out the inhabitants of Bashin and her towns, nor Tenek and her towns, nor the inhabitants of Dor and her towns, nor the inhabitants of Eblim and her towns, nor the inhabitants of Medigo and her towns. Verse 29, neither did Ephraim drive out the Canaanites that dwell in Gezer. Verse 30, neither did Zebulon drive out the inhabitants of Ketron, nor the inhabitants of Nahol. Neither did, verse 31, neither did Asher drive out the inhabitants of Achor, nor the inhabitants of Zidon, or Alab, or the Axib, nor of Helbar, or Ephak, or Rehorb. In verse 33, neither did Naphtali drive out the inhabitants of Beth Shemesh, nor the inhabitants of Bethana. It says, but he dwelt among the Canaanites, or but he dwelt among the Canaanites and the inhabitants of the land. Nevertheless, the inhabitants of Beth Shemesh and Bethanath 
became tributaries unto them. And the Amorites forced the children of Dan into the mountain, for they would not suffer them to come down to the valley. God never promised. God never gave a promise of a halfway deliverance. God never gave a promise of a halfway. He says, I've given you the land. I've given the land into your hand. And we find they begin to live below their God-given privileges. God not only said what he was going to do through Moses, he reiterated what he was going to do through Joshua. He declared that he would give them the land. And he would, only, he would not only deliver them through the land, but he was going to give them a land which they did not labor, cities which they did not build, and they would dwell in them and their vineyards and all of it. And he would give them all these things that they didn't plan. All that they had to do was go and drive out the inhabitants of the land. God had promised them the land. He had promised them victory in the land. But they had to have faith to drive out the occupants of the land. Let me just tell you, church, we're here tonight. We got to fight for every promise. We got to fight that whatever belongs to us, every inch of ground I must fight. If I should reign, increase my courage, Lord. If I face cancer, God, give me the strength to fight. If I face alopecia, God, give me the strength to fight. If I face brain bleach, God, give me the strength to fight. No matter what calamity befalls me tonight, God, give me the strength to fight. We got to fight for divine healing. We got to fight for deliverance, for joy, for peace, for the supernatural, for the word of God to be preached, not only in mechanics, but in the dynamics of the word. We got to fight for prayer lines. We got to fight for altar calls. We got to fight to keep youth camps alive. We got to fight so our young people can have a chance at their revival. To have their opportunity at the word. We got to fight for the word so that it can be preached in mechanics and dynamics. Oh, church, I must fight if I must reign. Increase my courage, Lord. What you find, see how much time I got. I'm going to, give me just a, can I go a few more minutes? Amen. They find, God told them, there was already somebody living in the land. There were squatters in the land. But notice, God, before the foundation of the world, knew who he was going to give that land to. God possessed a title deed. God had the land. God knew he was going to bring his people into that land. He knew that they were going to be a spirit-filled people walking in victory. And we believe tonight that God has promised us a same kind of promise. There's a land just beyond the Jordan. There's a land just beyond this life. What a land it is. But we find there were squatters in the land. What is a squatter, Brother Joe? One that settles on property without the right or the title or payment or rent. Someone, let me just put it in old Louisiana language, that don't belong. Come on, look at me like you're enjoying this. Some of y'all just like wish you could hurry up and get over so let's just think about it. Let's just say tonight you own a vast estate, more land than you can ever look at. And, you know, you pay taxes on it and you go out and you get on your horse and you ride around your property and you ride and you ride. And it takes you days, right? And you finally get to the far edge of the land and you find some evidence of somebody squatting on your land. And you think, well, you know what? It's okay. I got plenty of property. It doesn't matter. And you just pass it on by. But then your property passes on down to your son and that son, he 
rode with you out on the land and he seen how you treated those that were squatting on the land, how you said, well, I guess dad struck an agreement with them. It doesn't matter. We're just going to pass this on by. And you find things just passed down and passed down. But now the land changed ownership. Now it's to the grandson. And the grandson's got, he's got great big ideas. He got great big plans for the land and now he inherits it. And he rides out there and he sings this little cabin. Now it's no longer just one cabin. It's three or four cabins. And then it just cabins. Now they got gardens and they got fences and they got stores and they got all this stuff being built up on the outskirts and they're squatters. And he goes down there and tells them, there's a new owner in town. You got to get off. And they look at him like, you stupid. I ain't leaving. I've been here for years. We've been here for generation after generation after generation. We don't have to leave. Well, that grandson said, yeah, I'll tell you what, old boy, I'm going to go to the authorities. He goes down to the authorities. He gets him an eviction notice. And he comes back like, like uh, Martin Luther, and he nails it to the door. Yeah, yeah. You know what the squatters do? <laughs> I ain't worried about your doctor's report. I ain't worried about this. They can tell you healed all you want. No, I got access. I got cancer. I got you. I got you where I want you. They rip that eviction report down and throw it in the garbage. Keep on building. Keep on eating. Keep on multiplying. Keep on doing their thing. They're squatting on the land that don't belong to them. But finally, he goes down to the courthouse and he has a deed drawn up. And he places his borders. And he knows exactly where he goes. And he brings the authorities this time with him. Oh, I tell you, he come packing the Holy Ghost this time. He brought them into the service. He said, I'll tell you what, old boy. You may have been here through generation and generation. But today is your last day. You can't stay another minute. I got the authority here. I got the abstract title deed on here today. You got to leave. You can't stay, squatter. You got to go in the name of Jesus. I assure you tonight through the word. God. Oh, heaven is behind this word. You got to go. You can't stay another minute. They packed up and they just crossed on the other side. And they just watching. Well, old son's going to go back. He's going to go back to his house several hundred miles away. And we'll be able to get. No, this son was determined. He tore down the home. He tore down the fences. He tore down the garden. Tilled it up. Said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to build something better. He began to erect something that honors him. Oh, I hope you're hearing what I'm telling you tonight. And maybe you've had generational curse passed down, passed down, passed down. And you didn't think nothing about it. This is just who I am. This is just how I'm made. No, there's somebody that's got to say, I'm here to break the cycle tonight. I refuse to let that generational curse, that squatter, stay on my land anymore. In the name of Jesus tonight, I assure you, Satan, you've got to leave tonight. I'm going to occupy the land. Every square inch of it belongs to me tonight. I'm not giving up. I'm not giving in. We're not leaving a hook behind we're taking it all. And we're going to leave this place. Amen. Satan has come. Musicians, if you'll come. Set up residence in your body. Causing you pain and agony, grief, sickness, mind battles. He squatted on your peace. Squatted on your happiness. Robbed you of your victory. Squatted on your freedom to worship. Quietened your praise. He began to build complexes, strongholds in your mind, in your life. Put fears on you so you're afraid to occupy. Yeah. 
He's done everything he can to keep you from occupying your promise. Oh, but listen. Brother Bram says, and then when you become a Christian and you accept Christ as your Savior, when God sends down the abstract, it shows that no matter what your father did, oh, hallelujah, it don't matter about that generational curse. It don't have to be passed down any longer. What your father did, what your mother did, what anybody else did, your mother, your daddy, they might have been drunkards, prostitutes, whatever it was, every sin is stricken off. You've got an abstract title. There is nothing can put you off of it. Everything that on, on that ground belongs to you. Amen. He goes, when you get Jesus Christ or Christ Jesus by the baptism of the Holy Ghost, Every gift of God belongs to the church. It's an abstract title deed. He says, what does an abstract mean? It means it's been searched all the way back to the beginning, like a little drop of ink this morning when it was struck that bleach. It goes all the way back. And the sin that's been confessed and fallen into the blood of Jesus Christ, oh my, he gives an abstract right straight back to the crater again. And you become a son of God. The abstract title deed is held in the hand of Almighty God. It's redemption. It means all legal possession to all all that was lost by Adam and Eve. Oh, what it ought to do to a born-again Christian. It's legal possession to the abstract deed. The title deed of eternal life means that you possess everything that Adam and Eve lost. I say, oh, glory to God tonight. I am a possessor of eternal life. Adam stepped out of eternity into time, but I'm stepping out of time back into eternity. I say, oh, glory to God tonight. That's my promise, and you are occupiers of the promise of God. Let's stand and worship the Lord tonight. He said, God sent the Holy Ghost back and he run all the squatters out. Run them out tonight. Maybe you got a squatter on your leg. He don't have to stay. You got a promise. That promise belongs to you. You've been called to occupy the promise. Whatever your need is, you got a promise. He said, whatever you ask in my name. Whatever you ask in my name, you can have it. Take your abstract title. Take your, your deed to eternal life. And you show that foul devil. You may be dealing with sickness tonight. Show him your abstract title deed. I got a right to healing. I got a right to deliverance. I got a right to mind, to a peace of mind. I got a right to eternal life. I got a right to joy. I got a right to worship. I got a right to praise a living God. If you find yourself on the outside, I want you to know you got a right tonight. You got a right tonight to every divine promise that God has given to you. All that you got to do, church, is occupy. Occupy. Take possession. Don't act like you're some renter and the house belongs to somebody else. No, this house belongs to me. I can fix, I can change, I can tear down, I can remove, I can do whatever I want. It belongs to me. But as a renter, if you're only renting, you can't do nothing. You can't kick the devil out. You can't do nothing. We're not renters. We're possessors. Possessors of the word of God. Possessors of deliverance. Possessors of every promise. We're the people of the book. Church, I don't know, but that's got to be more than just a sermon title. We're the people, Brother Tim, of this book. There's over 8,000 promises laying in this book. Over 8,000 promises. And God said, now, you occupy whichever one you want. You got a need tonight? Just come on and occupy it. He's here. 
He's shown up for service tonight to give you your need. He came on a Wednesday night because he knew he was going to have somebody that was going to step out of that aisle and say, I've been living below my God-given privilege, but tonight it's over. I'm kicking the squatter out. Would you just bow your heads for a brief minute? I feel the urge and the unction of the Spirit of the Lord right now. There'd be one of you right now, church. Don't be embarrassed. Don't be ashamed. Maybe you're not living where you need to be. God knows and you know. But you don't have to remain there. You got a promise. All you got to do is just step out. Step out and come forward. Step out and come forward and say, God, I don't want to stay like this. I want a heart so consecrated on God. God sees that need. Just come on forward. It's okay. Step out. This is time to pray through. It's time to break through. It's time to occupy. Take possession of your promise. Maybe that's still that temper is getting a hold of you and flying loose at the handle. It's okay. God can channel that. Step out and occupy the promise of God tonight. Some of you young boys still maybe having thoughts, things you shouldn't be looking at, images that once flowed through your mind. Step out tonight. Occupy the promise. You don't have to be in bondage any longer. You don't have to take the whip of the taskmaster any longer. You're free tonight. You're free to walk in victory. You're free to take possession of every promise that God died for. Would there be another tonight? What about you, some of you parents, some of you older people? Maybe God's dealing with you. Don't be ashamed to step out. You don't want nobody to care what you think about and the young people look at you and maybe feel like you're not where you need to be. You're a human. You're facing battles. Sometimes you live below your God-given privileges as well. Sometimes we make mistakes. It doesn't mean you got to stay there. Why don't you step out tonight and trust God? Trust God for your family, brother. Trust God to be a leader. Trust God to provide for you financially. Trust God to take care of that situation. I'm speaking to somebody. Come on. Trust God tonight. Satan says there's no use. Don't even try. God says, I got a word for you. I got a word for you. It's yours. It's yours right here tonight. Just walk out. Walk out on the devil. He's walked out on you many a times, left you holding a bag. Walk out on him tonight. There you go, young man. He's tried to hold you by your past, by your mistakes. Just walk out. Father, we thank you tonight. Lord, we thank you that you're a God that still knows. You know exactly what we face. You know the struggles that we face, the mind battles we endure, God. And yet, Lord, you would come on a Wednesday night and tell us that we are occupiers of the promise. That we are entitled to more than just peace on this earth, but we're entitled to, to change dimensions and to step into a new body a well body a body that will never grow old a body that will never get sick a body that will never see disappointments never get a wrinkle 
never have a cough or a sniffle. God, you've given us that reassurance once again tonight. God, you reassured our young people. No matter what is passed down from generation to generation, God is calling young people to be cycle breakers, to not continue that generational curse because I've given you the opportunity tonight to kick the squatter off the land. If you're there and there's still a squatter possessing a promise, kick them off tonight, church. Kick them off and take possession of every promise of God. Father, may you bless your church tonight, Lord, those that are here live, those that are on the stream. You see the need, Father, and you see why you gave this thought to me, and I just ask that you would bless it, that, Lord, it would resonate in the days and weeks and months to come, that it would just come back, Lord, an occupier of the promise. May we never settle, Lord God, for the lie of the enemy, but when we take possession of every word of God, We just ask it tonight, Lord, in Jesus' name. May you be glorified, Father. Amen.